everyone, it's Chloe, and I'm so excited to share something fabulous with you, Vogue's first ever global fashion community, Vogue Club. Our members get to mingle with Vogue editors, yes, including me, and fellow fashion enthusiasts at exclusive events around the world. And that's just the start. Membership opens doors to the fashion industry, bringing you expert career advice and insider style and beauty tips. What are you waiting for? Head over to Vogue.com membership to join. And here's a little treat. Use code TRT20 and snag 20% off your membership. That's TRT20 for 20% off your ticket to Vogue Club. Are you in? This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to ask you about Fashion Week. So it's the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) It is coming to the close of New York Fashion Week. Only three more Fashion Weeks to go. Oh, and I'm already exhausted. Are you surviving? I'm already exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) This is The Run Through. I'm Choma Nadi. And I'm Chloe Mal. Today, we're joined by two of our favorite colleagues. So welcome, guys. We're very excited to have you at the heels of uh, New York Fashion Week. Hello. I love this. I feel like delicious dish on SNL. Anyway, um, (laughs) uh, I'm Laia Garcia-Portado, and I'm the senior fashion news editor at Vogue Runway. And Jose Criales Unzueta. Period. You ate that. Thank you. (laughs) I am the fashion news writer at Vogue Runway. I mean, where should we start? Maybe we should start with Pharrell being announced as the Louis Vuitton creative director. What are everyone's thoughts? So unexpected. I mean... There were rumors. Mm-hmm. Tell us the rumors. That it was going to be maybe Martine Rose, yeah. whom we love, or even Grace Wills Bonner, whom we also love. Mm. And that seemed very exciting. Yeah. And this is a different kind <laughs> of excitement. Know, I'm ex- Personally, I'm excited. Are I, you? Okay. I'm always excited when people outside of my other, my friends outside of fashion are texting me furiously because it means that there's like cultural impact. And I think mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. If, if like, you know, Pharrell's track record is anything to go by, he will bring in creatives, you know, black and brown creatives who will okay. kind of energize the house. I think the show is going to be an, an amazing event. And um, a lot of people were disappointed that it wasn't, a, you know, a young, unknown name or a, a, a name no, not known outside of the fashion world. But, you know, I think Pharrell um, is actually going to bring some energy and some pizzazz, and also hopefully a lot of fresh new creative talent. So that's my two cents. Well, to that point, 
Um, my husband's old boss, sorry, former boss, he's not old, um, <laughs> is an avid listener of the pod, knows nothing about fashion, <laughs> texted me yesterday being like, I would like a breakdown of why Pharrell, who I understood to be a musician and producer, is qualified to design Louis Vuitton. So if Pete is asking me that, I feel like it, people are really wondering. And I mean, he does have some I mean, qualified. Yeah. I mean, he was the first person to collaborate with Chanel. The first person, you know, and you would never expect it to be a man. But I think Carl saw in him someone who was a forward thinker, someone who took risks, someone who'd really enjoyed fashion from the inside out. Um, And I think that's really important. I think, you know, often we talk about, you know, the fact that we want we want a designer who really enjoys clothes and we want women to be dressing women. I also think this is a point of like he knows that customer. Mm -hmm. He's he's been hired as a creative director. He is. You know, it's it's a kind of a different task than being someone who's nuts and bolts designing. He's not it. pinning the muslins. He's not pinning. Yeah, the he's muslins. not sketching anything either. No, That's so it's going to be thing. about vision, mood, vibe, and I think yeah. he's going to be an incredible vibe master. At I mean, LB. oh, vibe master. Yeah, yeah. he is a vibe and master. I think the thing is, like, he is such a fashion oracle when it comes to menswear, right? Like the way he's and Chanel is a good example. The way he used to wear like pearl, like he was the first one that started wearing pearls, right? Like that's the reason. I mean, there's a reason why he was the face of the new masculinity issue that GQ did right? yes. back in the day, right? Good point. Good point. He is sort of like, he has brought in a lot of freshness to menswear in the landscape. So it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because LV with Virgil had become like this cultural powerhouse, right? That existed beyond fashion. Virgil Abloh, who was the former creative mm-hmm. right. director of right. Louis Vuitton yes. Men's, who, who passed away last passed year. Away at the age of yeah, in November yeah. 2021. It's been over a year now. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's that's what's interesting, right? Because we know that Pharrell, again, like as Chanel was saying, like she's he's going to bring like incredible creatives, right? He's not he's not going to be the one yeah, that's just like doing it. Yeah, it's not going to be bad. It. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also interesting because when I think of someone like Martine Rose, I'm like, it's been her turn. You know, it's been time mm-hmm. for her to, to lead something. It's been time for her to step in. Like, she's been... You know, in the industry for so does long. Does Martine have her own brand? Yes, yeah, she yes, does. Yes. Martine is like yeah. her name. Yeah, Martine Martine Rose. Rose. yeah mm-hmm. she has an eponymous label. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, again, she's influenced so much of menswear in her own way. Um, she's influenced people like Pharrell, most likely, right? Like, um, he's probably like looking at her wrong with and being like, oh, that's sick. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when does the turn of the designer um, to take that step come? So uh, I think let that's me counter you. Ooh. Do you think, because, because I often think that when designers, like Martine, they take these big positions, their own label suffers. And I think her brand has become, you know, such a force. And, you know, you know, my feeling is that I'm not sure if those positions are as attractive to these young designers as they once were, and that a lot of them would want to work on their own brand to get to a point where mm-hmm. their brands can really stand Great. Okay, the next item on our agenda that we wanted to discuss <laughs> is something that when I first read it, I was like, what's a mushish boot? And then I thought maybe it's mischief, but with no vowels. Can yes, someone help me out here? I don't I think know you what's would be happening. Correct. I'm, yes. I think you would be correct. Yes, I mean, I, I think you can't, if you, <laughs> for some reason, I'm getting fed like mischief boot content at a rate oh, that is, TikTok is, is like packed. full. Uh, what is this? I've never so seen it. I don't know what it like is. So they look like Papa Smurf boots. Okay. They are red. They are intentionally cartoonish okay um what most are they made recently, out of they're made out of kind of like a looks i've never like seen a, them in i haven't seen them. i've never seen them but they're like a but vacuum they have been sort of at, like, yeah. because they are just like i think they're molded but rubber people were or wearing right? them during fashion week they were we most certainly posted one on street style and yeah. one of my friends texted me and she was like how many times have you seen their red boots already and i'm like i actually Zero. i haven't i but i've seen all of the posts on social media about how people are wearing them all they the don't time easy to walk in i 
No, they don't look great moving. And then Diplo was seen wearing them at a and basketball game. And what is Mischief? Game? It's this brand that kind of it actually is, is quite good at creating these viral moments. Mm. But um, let's see. Let's have a look. Mischief. This sounds goofy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, but it's you know, it's mischievous. Oh, they, they, didn't they do the little, the little Nas X, um, very controversial shoes that had like blood in them or oh, something? I, did they do oh, that? Oh, they were allegedly a. That was I a, think, was a that brand. mischief? Was it with Nike? No, 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 no. it was fake with Nike. Oh but yes, there you it go. It was with Fikey. There you go. Yes, Lia's face right now is the so Satan excited. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they made the you know in inverted comma the Satan shoes that little there yeah is. the yes. Satan shoes that had yeah. real blood, blood quote unquote exactly. yeah genius marketing honestly yeah excellent this viral <laughs> right before Fashion Week too yeah. speaking of going viral I was very confused one thing I did see on my uh, limited Instagram was the Panera bag. Oh, yeah. I don't know what this is. Okay, I did see it in person. I did see it in person, what, too. Uh, I'm sorry. Can Panera Is Panera smart enough to be like, this is going to be the way we crush Fashion Week? So I think it's just like they yeah, have... I agree. I think all these companies have really good social media people, and I think that's where mm-hmm. it comes from. That's that's the thing. I think, you know, Lionel... Can you buy it? You can. My friend bought it. And how much does it retail for? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm going to ask her. Um, I should go in, but she she wore it to to area actually to the area show. I think that's where I saw. Yeah, who I do we think person. Ghost designed it? Who do we think Ghost designed it? it? Yeah, is it made out of like nice leather? I like, mean, I, mean, like, I didn't touch it. But don't you think that they had like the Fendi baguette? Famously, the Fendi baguette was what they called the um, sort of horizontal over the shoulder bag that Carrie Bradshaw made yes. very famous. That comes in. You know, one million types of beading leopard prints, etc. Because it fits snugly under your armpit. There you go. Mm. Wow, it was only $39.50? The Panera bag? The Panera bag? Yeah, it's sold out. I mean, it looks... I'm not mad at it. It's, it looks yeah. Yeah. like... It's kind of cute. <laughs> it, you know, it basically, mm-hmm. it has these, uh, you know, interlocking Ps, the way you have the interlocking Fs logo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's bright green. I'm not sure what, how that references an actual baguette, but how they landed on that Panera color. Green. It's Panera, Panera green. It's Panera green. It's Panera green. One. It's, a, it's a genius idea. I'm sort of into it. It's and really, it's really 30, smart. $39, it's actually And it's, again, it's good. funny. I think that's yeah. sort of what's interesting. Lai and I talk about this all the time about very online people. Yeah. You know, it's like these social media people or marketing people that are on the internet all the time sort of trying to figure out what is working, what isn't, what we were talking about. And Panera has become such a thing, again, on, the, on these little corners of the internet. And all it takes, and these corners are like, again, Gen Z, fashion-y, like subcultures. So, of course, you're like, oh, let's just do this. You do it like very limited run. It's silly. Ten people buy it and like you call it sold out and then you just go viral for like a week. And then, again, you do it right before fashion week. Someone wears it. It ends up in like a, you know, street style page and then. And now I'm like, oh, should I go try some Panera bread? Mm, yeah. I'm actually kind of hungry. The soup is actually kind of good. <laughs> All I had today was a cookie. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> the fashion week. The fa- the fa- <laughs> I know. I'm yeah. like, there's, there's a granola bar in my pocket. So. <laughs> yeah, don't pass out on us. <laughs> because we have next up, we have your top three moments of, of New York Fashion Week so far. Because you guys have been reviewing, right? Mm-hmm. Will, you, yes. will you give us a sense of what a typical day is like? For a uh, you know a Vogue runway reviewer, you I'm know, disassociating. <laughs> you know that meme <laughs> of Lady Gaga in an interview that goes like, "Bus club, bus another club, no sleep." <laughs> it's kind of like that, um, but it's. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, we like, love this it. Is, this is this is actually the dream job, so yes. I can't like 
I'm not going to pretend like it's the not. The dream job can be tiring. Yeah, yes. exactly. It's like the Olympics for but, you guys, yes. Exactly. Right? But you know, like, it really is the Olympics. And I'm wearing very uncomfortable footwear for that. But, you know, it's <laughs> fine. Um, but it's it's funny because, okay, so one of our days is usually, like, if we have shows in the morning, or present, we usually do appointments in the appointments morning. Appointments in the morning. Uh-huh. So then we'll shows. Do, exactly. So we'll do, like, appointments for showrooms or what, digital what's, releases. What's the morning starting time? Like, nine? Nine has well, well I did Laya's an eight a.m. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so I did an eight a.m. for Rodarte, but like, and so oh. sometimes there's two, there's two reasons why we may do an appointment. One is smaller brands that don't do a runway show. Um, sometimes they just have you know set up in a showroom and you just go and you see the clothes and you talk to the designer and it's by appointment, which is and weird. It's, yes, mm-hmm, and it's by appointment. Or um, sometimes for some of the shows that we review, we meet the designers beforehand. So we can get the lowdown on the show because when the show ends, you don't always have time to go backstage to like go and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Or also sometimes it's really crazy. Yeah, there's so like you sort of get all your quotes out of the so way. So you got before. to do that with Rodarte. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. Yeah. So they were like, "Can you come at eight? And I was like, "For you, yes, I can absolutely." So tell us everything. What was it like seeing the clothing up close? Yeah. So Rodarte, um, they're two sisters from California they've all they've so they've always been sort of like separate from the fashion system mm-hmm. when they started they were just like they like make all their clothes and they were all about like horror movies and like very intense handiwork and it was all like very cinematic you know the set this year was all was a banquet set up and everything was silver and on the tables there were like fruits cakes breads again um, chandeliers and everything was covered in silver glitter. So they were like, we wanted to do fairies this season. And it's like, of course. So their mom drew these like beautiful fairies and they like blew them up in dresses. But being Rodarte, they were like, but they're goth fairies. And I was like, yes. And so when I got to their like temporary showroom, they had all these like all of the gowns. If you go on the Vogue runway app. And check out the Rodarte collection. Uh, hashtag ad. Just kidding, though, no, because it's us. Um, but also. They're all, like, huge gowns with, like, long sleeves, like, very, like, the whole, the first, like, four looks were basically Morticia Adams. Yeah. You know, yeah. just, like, it was very, very, like, Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. So, but many of the gowns were really heavy, so they couldn't hang them. So it was just sort of, like, a lot of ghost Creepy. dresses laying down, which is exactly so the Rodarte, Rodarte vibe. It's so Rodarte. Yeah. I'm obsessed. So I guess that's one of my favorite things that I saw this, so far this season. Has there been an overarching trend that you've seen? Flora and fauna. Flora and <laughs> it's fauna. Been actually, it's, it's actually very funny because, you know, you were speaking about the fruits at Rodarte and, you know, the fairies. And that day you also went to Kalina. You also reviewed Kalina. And I was actually... What was funny about Kalina Strata is that, you know... The, the show is called Please Don't Eat My Friends. You know, and Colleen is very sustainable. Tell us a, a little bit about Colleen Estrada. Yeah, so Hil- the name of the designer is actually Hilary Tamer. Um, she is just, like, very cool, super downtown, artsy vibe. Um, she makes re- really fun clothes. And, you know, she she has such a specific community around her. But the, the ethos of the brand is very sustainable, super vegan, super, like, you know. You, like, that's that already kind of paints a picture. So then... If I tell you that the show is called Please Don't Eat My Friends and the invitation has two little piglets, like they're talking to each other and it's so cute. Um, but then, you know, I was doing this video for Vogue Club um, with her. So I go to do a, do a preview while she's like fitting, whatever. And she shows me all of these like animal prosthetics. And I'm like, of course. So she turned like, Please Don't Eat My Friends. She turned all of her friends because a lot of the people that walk her models are her friends. So she turned all of her friends into animals and asks, asks, asked us to not eat them. But... 
Again, we saw a lot of animals at Colina in the prosthetics, which are really fun. Um, then we saw bananas at area. Bananas at area. They also had watermelon and yes. grapes. Then puppets and puppets also had banana bags. <laughs> and, and fried eggs. And fried eggs, which one you have. Yeah. It's amazing. Actually, it's been a very food... Sorry, I have trouble with... Uh, English is my second language, and so <laughs> I have trouble with my O's Okay, they are similar. So yeah. food, mm-hmm. it was very food-themed um, yes. season because also puppets had the eggs and the bananas yes. and the cookies. So puppets and puppets is, is also downtown brand, and they have become famous because they make these like black bags that have a chocolate chip cookie on the front. Okay, and yes. So now they've added like bananas or fried egg and... There's so it sounds like there's a lot of like Trump loy puns involved. This, yeah, yeah. Yes. very punny and again like flora fauna like so it's been a lot of that which is quite interesting. I feel like when you said that English isn't your first language, I want to know what your first language is. Oh, yeah, I uh my first language is Spanish because I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. That's why we're like mi gente. Yeah, we start yeah. <laughs> We started on the same day. Exactly. Jose and I like to joke that we were at Bocrangüey. Bocrangüey, yeah. I mean, and it was <laughs> it was so funny because you know we walked in and we were in the same Telfer bag, orange, <laughs> orange medium chopper bag. Yeah, orange Spanish medium chopper. Spanish is both of our Stop first language. Yeah, yeah. Spanish is both of our first languages. Yeah. It's just like you know. So Jose, where were you born? I was born and raised in La Paz, Bolivia, um, and I moved to the U.S. For, um, when I for college in like 2014. Yeah. And when did you move here? Now? I moved to the U.S. for college in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> Off the record. <laughs> awesome. Now, what? explain the Tory renaissance. Tory Burch. Yeah, Tory Burch. Who's sort of having She's having a moment, yeah. and she earned yeah, all of those moments. Tory renaissance. So, the story is... The here's, the, here's the story. Here's the story. The story is that Tori, you know, she used to be CEO and creative director. And then last year or two years ago. I think two now. Two years ago, she stepped away from being CEO. Mm-hmm. And she only has time. Well, to her husband. To her, to husband. her husband. Yes, yes. Exactly. But now all she does is just, you know, make Well, can we just clothes. say who her husband is? Cause is it yes, her right? husband yeah. is Pierre-Yves Roussel, who was not just anybody. I mean, he was the CEO of LVMH. It's a big um, get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, and, anyway. and she had to marry him, but she got him. <laughs> So basically, the first collection, which was like sp- spring 20, I don't know what Two, year it is, 22, probably. Yeah, probably 22, 21. Basically, Tori was like, ooh, remember Claire McCardo, this like classic American sportswear designer of like, you know, the 50s. And she was like, I remember Claire McCardo. Let's do Claire McCardo vibes. So it's all like easy dresses with pockets and like, you know, cute shirt dresses and stuff but I feel like what really made it cool was that she it was very weird and the color palette was Mm -hmm. super weird and there was like color blocking and it was like you know it's cute enough that it didn't alienate I I think doesn't alienate her like base customer but then all of the fashion people are like whoa I think what's interesting about what's happening at Tori right now is that a lot of fashion people that are really getting into it can recognize a lot of really interesting references, right? So, for example, last season, there was this um, there's this beautiful Margiela collection that's, like, I think spring 1997 that is all, um, like, bodices from mannequins, right? And then they even say, like, Maison Margiela, where they would say, like, just the, 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 the name of the form or the brand or whatever. Um, and they are, like, really beautiful shapes. So, you know, there was that reference. There's there's some Pradaisms there that people recognize from the 90s. There's a lot of these little, like, tidbits of fashion that we all love 
that we have seen a lot of designers resurface that she's sort of like her and her team, you can tell, are just very aware and like very into fashion. And then she's starting to finally steal a lot of these little moments that she's into or her team are into, into her collection. So then when you see them all together, you're like, oh, that's a really cool interpretation of this idea from like back, you know, 10 years ago or 20 or whatever. And that is, is really interesting. And the price point is right. And the price point is right. We love Tori. Yeah. By we, I mean me. Yeah. And, you know, I had, I had this very cool fashion. Like one of my, my highlights of fashion was that when we were sitting at Tori, um, I was right behind the balls. And it was, it's just one of those things that I was like, oh, I really do have this job. You know, I, we started at the you same time. You were staring at a perfectly groomed exactly. bob. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, my, my finale video, like, you can tell, like, she, you can see, like, a little bit of the bob and the, the sunglasses. And I'm just, and, like, my mom replied and she was like, this is crazy. And I'm like, girl, I know. Trust. <laughs> you know? Again, like, it's, it just, it was one of those moments, like, my pinching moment, pinch me fashion. was that, mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, wow, like, this is a fashion show. Thank you guys so much. I learned everything. And um, good luck with the end of Fashion Week and future Fashion Weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much for for having having us. us. Oh, God, I didn't say thank you. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that is actually really funny. The run-through will be back in just a moment. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrances and handbags. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas, like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macy's.com slash gift finder to shop. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder today. This is The Run Through, and I'm Chloe Mao. Last week, we taped an interview with the designer Erdem. He's one of the biggest names in London fashion and one of my personal faves. 
You've seen his dresses on the cover of Vogue and on everyone from Keira Knightley to the Duchess of Cambridge. He is showing at London Fashion Week this weekend, and we wanted to talk to him in advance about his creative process. Since we taped that interview, however, the unimaginable happened. A horrific 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit eastern Turkey and northern Syria. More than 41,000 people have been reported dead. So we reached out to Erdem again this week to check in on his family. Yeah, Chloe, my father was from eastern Turkey. Um, he was from a specific area called Hatay, which is a province in eastern eastern Turkey. And specifically, he was from a city of Antakya. Okay. Um, and, and maybe you might know the name Antakya because it was on the New York Times. There was a, a very shocking title that came out just last week that said, no more Antakya with a statement that the entire city has been wiped out. Oh, my God. It was the most horrific thing to read. Uh, both my parents passed away when I was when I was quite young, but I still have so many family members living there. Um, thankfully, everyone is safe and sound. Wow. Uh, but what is so important to get across is how many people are now displaced right. and obviously without anywhere to live. So the need for support is greater than ever. So this past weekend, all profits from .com and our flagship store in London here went to both the British Red Cross and also a foundation called the AHBAP, okay. which is a Turkish foundation, the Foundation of Anatolian People and Peace Platform, uh, which is a nonprofit organization based in Turkey. Um, and they have been incredibly quick to react to the um, to implementing support. How did you find that organization? Through actually family members that live in Turkey. Oh, wow. So I encourage everyone to, to support both the AHBAP and also over here, we support the British Red Cross in America. I imagine it's just the Red Cross. Right. Um, but um, any, any support is, is, is fantastic. And, um, and it's, so, it's so, so needed at the moment. Do you have a specific memory of Antakya that you keep thinking about the past week or so or, or anything? Well, I remember you know, I remember my grandmother, I remember my aunt and and my you know my immediate family, but I I think that the memory that stands out um is is going to the Museum of Archaeology that was just so amazing there with my sister and and um we dug out kind of all of these old pictures of us there and um wow. and um, of course there's there's so many so many amazing memories any new sites that you found really helpful about learning what's happening on the ground there i've always felt like the bbc is so measured generally in the, in the coverage but i think the most important thing is is now more than ever you know help is help is needed mm. and i think that's, that's probably the most important thing to to get across well we're so grateful to you for leading the charge on keeping everyone focused on this because, as we know, the media cycle tends to move away from things after they happen. And I think it's important that we we keep focusing on, on how much this is going to be an ongoing tragedy for people there. 
Absolutely. And, and Chloe, thanks so much. It was so, it was so great to reconnect on this and it's so important. So thank you. Thanks, Erdem. Bye. Gosh, that's just so harrowing. I mean, who would have thought that even that this... I know, and we taped with him prior to that, and our conversation was very different. Um, we had caught up with him via Zoom, and I hadn't seen him in, since, I think, before the pandemic. Um, I met him maybe 10 years ago. I always love wearing his dresses. I think they're so feminine and appealing and elegant. Um, but it was a treat to be able to talk to him about what his process looks like. And also just, he, he lives a very, um, very, uh, thoughtfully tasteful life. And, uh, it's fun to talk to him about all of the things he likes to do and see and appreciate. Yeah. I mean, so obviously the, the tone of this interview that you're going to, to hear is quite different. Hi, Artem. I'm so happy to see you. Shoma and Chloe, it looks like we're about to record an album together. I know, I doesn't what it? what our group would be called. What would it be called? Maybe it's not oh En Vogue, but In Vogue. Or, yes. That was one of the original titles for the podcast, right? In Vogue, wasn't it? No. In Vogue. I much prefer your new title, which is my favorite British, Turkish, Canadian fashion designers. But I think it's so niche because, like, I mean, there's not many of us out there, but <laughs> I'm excited about who you'll do next. <laughs> your um, your Objects of Affection video was quite the hit and everybody's quite obsessed with the alarm clock. Yes, that yeah. copy of alarm clock. Yes, tell us more. Co- I've never I heard of, the... a, of an alarm clock that's also a coffee maker. Yes. I mean, what more do you want from a from an alarm clock that gives you a drip black coffee? Um, it's good. I used it this morning. Um, and when it's early and it's still dark outside and you can smell coffee, that's like the nicest way to wake up. It was a gift from your husband? It was a gift from my husband. Yeah. Philip, he's actually very good at... Um, He's very good at giving gifts. And now I'm I'm gonna go blank on every single other gift he's um given me, but he is he is generally a very good um gift giver. And for those of people who don't know, your husband Philip Joseph is an architect and he designed your house. Yes. Is that ever stressful? I feel like sometimes when I'm in, you know, we renovated our house and I was like, God damn the architect, why does this look like this? <laughs> Are there ever frictions like that or not really? Um no, because I think Philip, we've known each other since college. So we know, we just know each other so well. And he's, I think the whole way through, he had such a clear vision. And, and also, specific, like our house is built in the 1820s. So more than anything, it was about like this kind of restoration. Right. Like Philip had such like love for the bones of the house. It's a townhouse in Bloomsbury, correct? Yeah, correct. That was yeah. owned by the same woman for 50 years? Yes, she oh. moved in 1953, and she died at 103. God wow. bless. Was she a, she a famous painter? Not particularly famous, famous but she right. was a portrait painter, and she comes from like a kind of long line of of artists. And but also strangely, um, she's a twin. And oh wow! I'm, wow. I'm a twin, and also Philip's a twin. Philip's a twin too. That I've never yeah. heard of 
twins marrying twins. I mean, that, I guess it makes sense, but that's day. cool. <laughs> Do you guys <laughs> and also, Philip God. has older twin brothers. No. So he has, Gosh. Yes. Oh, his poor mother. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. Okay. <laughs> this past spring collection, I loved reading about how it started with you going to visit the museums and seeing behind the scenes of how they're restoring pieces. But what happens from there? Do you then go back to the studio with your team and you just start sketching or are there, what are, what are the steps from that point? One thing, for example, we were talking to um, Larry Keith, who's the chief restorer at the National Gallery. And he was restoring a 15th century painting that was so kind of, um, far gone. One of the corners was completely destroyed. And he was using a Dutch etching that had been done in the 17th century of the painting to inform how he could go about restoring the painting. So, Wow. I know that you love portraiture and I have to ask you, have you been to the Lynette Yudiam Barakesh exhibit at the Tate? I just thought, what did you think? I thought it was one of the most beautiful, powerful things I've ever seen. And I thought it was so beautifully curated and she's an amazing person artist she she has in the past she's often come to the show actually oh, she, wow. loves, she loves fashion and she's incredibly she? stylish yeah she has she's she's really I mean you can tell from her paintings because yes all of the portraits she doesn't she paints from memory I mean she doesn't they're all kind of imagined characters mm. she doesn't use people to she doesn't have sittings and they're all so fabulously dressed, intentional, very quiet, minimalist, but you really get a sense that she has oh, an eye for fashion. On. Oh my God, I'd die to have her on. Should, <laughs> yeah, we should She's get her amazing. on. Yeah, I love that you've shown at the National Portrait Gallery. Why hold shows in those kind of environments? Those Because I think you can really get a sense of how your love of portraiture too and how the the clothes and the collections kind of are in conversation with the environment. There's something kind of interesting when you you have these eight minutes to take an audience somewhere and you present these ideas that you've been working on for the last six months. And the last show was at the British Museum. It was all to do with the idea of restoration. Myself and, and, and the design team, we went to the V&A to research how textiles are preserved. We were working with the British Museum to look at how ancient objects are pre- preserved. Um, oh, the that National must have been Museum. fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting. It was almost like the, the the venue kind of informed actually where I would go with the collection. And I'd shown in the British Museum the year before. And and as you said, Choma, the, the National Portrait Gallery is also somewhere where I've I've loved showing and it's um it's a it's such a wonderful, uh, special place. Didn't you show on the eve of the state funeral of the Queen? I did. I did. Showing in the, the British Museum, we were in the, the colonnade, the exterior colonnade. So you were you were kind of protected from the elements. And it was just as the sun was going down. And of course, um, of course, the, the flags would be at half mast. But I, I, I didn't realize, of course, you know, that there's a there's a huge flag, a huge Union Jack in the middle of the British Museum that was flying at half mast. Oh, wow. It's made, it was um, it was uh, it was such a kind of incredibly um sad but also kind of moving uh moment it was such a strange and also kind of quite surreal you know and of course when everything was happening there were you know there were questions of what was going to happen during london and london yeah. fashion 
in the timing of everything. It was interesting. We all kind of, I think all of us in our own way, kind of reflected on her and what she meant to all of us individually. Yeah, I, I did love the 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 black veils. I I don't know if that was intentional. Was that an that was, addition? Was or? that an addition, or did you always were you always planning on having those beautiful kind of? It was very melancholic and beautiful. Yeah, thank you. It was um, well. In truth, we when we were researching at the V&A, we were looking at how um, costumes are preserved and looking at these like kind of covers and how they would almost like veil the kind of the the garments to protect them from from, mm. from light. That's damage. interesting. So it was more about that. <laughs> Erdem, will you just take us back a little bit? Tell us a little bit about where you were born, where you grew up. I was born in Montreal. I was born in Canada. And Erdem's a Turkish name. Mm-hmm. So my father was Turkish from Eastern Turkey. From, my mother was from um, the Midlands. So from Birmingham. Mm. Uh, from George from, Eliot land, no? Birmingham's a very special place. Okay. It's a, uh, Choma, I don't know how to kind of explain. I didn't realize you were part Brummy. Is that what yes. we call someone from Birmingham? Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Brummy. Very, and my mom was really from like a Brummy part of Birmingham. Funnily enough. <laughs> What's an um, attribute of someone who's Brummy? Like a very working class. Okay. Like, is this like so, cottage pie and sausage and mash type of in- environment? Yes. Let's okay. go with that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember um, when you first fell in love with fashion? Was it as a kid or older? I was always preoccupied with um, fashion in the sense that I was always um, I was always fascinated by by women. I was, and I remember particularly like my mom and my mother's friends. I was always really always so interested in 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 what they wore, how they walked, how they talked. I I loved all things that were kind of feminine and female. Um, I also think maybe that has something to do with having a twin sister. Um, mm-hmm. So having someone who's, you know, a part of you and but also someone who's, of course, like the opposite, the opposite as well. And and yeah, I was always kind of very fascinated by kind of the, kind of the language of the feminine. I even remember as a child kind of drawing just women. I was interested in drawing women. Everyone else was were drawing like trees and apples and I drew women <laughs> generally with big skirts. Oh, wow. <laughs> I heard you also interned with, with Vivian Westwood. Obviously you passed did, away yeah. very recently. Yeah. What was, what was that experience like? That was, that was amazing. And that was actually before the Royal College of Art. So that was while I was still doing my um, BA and it was in um, 1999, 2000. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. I remember actually the first day I was like given the task of cutting jersey, like a silk jersey that was impossible to cut. And oh, I wow. You <laughs> know how to do it. And I, of course, like made a huge mess of it. And I was kind of sent away to like, to, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is like, this has ended before it started. But I was sent away to work in the archives. Oh, that is and, hysterical. Which I thought was like, um, you know, I was, it was like my, I thought it was, you know, terrible that I'd been sent away from the atelier and um, but actually ended up being kind of extraordinary to see all of those collections, you know, storm in a teacup and these Mr. Pearl corsets and um, 
you know, everything, the kind of the history of, of, of this huge body of work that was, that were, that was hers and, 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 and eventually Andres's. And um, it's amazing. I loved it. It was such a, you know, it was there that I understood I really wanted to, you know, finish studying in London. It was there I understood I wanted to start my own label. It was, it was, I think, you know, her, her vision and her view of history and, and femininity, all of these things were so, you know, extraordinary, like the way she cuts the, you know, um, she's, she's so, um, she was so uh, incredibly important actually. And um, I, uh, yeah. Did you stay in touch with her? I didn't, I didn't. And it was, um, you know, you kind of, as an intern, you kind of sure. you know, you pass through. <laughs> and um, but I did many years later say I interned with you and it was such an important thing. And uh, we were at, we were at, a, at, a, at the same event and, and she was, she was wonderful. Hmm. We would love to talk to you about biopics and um, your love of Madonna. And we saw a lot of Madonna yeah. on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. The biopic has been cancelled. Cancelled. <laughs> Thoughts? Well, I um, I have my Madonna Mondays, as you know, and um, <laughs> I think she is. Well, the big question is the tickets, like like getting tickets for like the farewell tour. Which we were um, talking about that yesterday. Challenge. Um, it's um no, it's it's it's. I um. Do you have your tickets I, yet? I don't have my tickets. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out who, who what, where, when. But I um. I do love her. And um, there'll always be a Madonna Monday. Have you ever seen Madonna perform? I have. Yeah, I have. And I actually, I have worked with her. I made her something for the um, American Music Awards. Wow. Actually, Madonna is how I came to work with Ibrahim Kamara, who's Uh, amazing. And Ibrahim and I worked together for three years. Fantastic stylist and Um, the editor-in-chief of ID. Describe the look that you made. It was like a polka dot lace um, uh, dress. And it was very kind of like with a pussy bow, very like belle du jour. Oh, love. And I'm curious, I would love to know a little bit about your dog. Because I thought that (laughs) she was really the star of your Objects of Affection video. Well, Chloe, I have to confess, it's my my sister's dog. (gasps) I am a co-parent, but I... She was, she, she, she loves Vogue, Pippi, the cockapoo. <laughs> and so she wanted to She had to it. be in the video. She voiced her, she voiced her, she voiced her. <laughs> Where does the name desire. Pippi come from? Uh, uh, Pippi, Pippi Longstocking. But oh, she's very, my favorite. Very, uh, she's, she's very much uh, my, my sister's dog. But I take her, I have, um. I often have weekend custody of, of Pippi. Oh, honestly, as the owner of a very loud, very demanding dog, part-time ownership of a dog is really the way to go. I highly <laughs> recommend. <laughs> also, a dog in New York, I imagine, comes oh, with challenges. Nightmare. So, Erdem, I heard from Mark Holgate, who is uh, Vogue's fashion news director, and um, I know a, an old friend of yours, that his favorite restaurant in London is Shea Erdem. You're quite the... Uh, Apparently there's a, a mean fish pie that's coming out of your kitchen. That's a huge compliment. 
Mark and I also go to the Hollywood Diner on Sixth <laughs> Avenue, so I'm worried that maybe his like, but maybe comparing to some other places we go to. But I, I will take the compliment. <laughs> I love cooking. Philip is very much a baker. Okay. Um, he does. He likes desserts, and I am. I am much more. That's interesting because I feel like architecture is so precise, and to be a baker, you really have to be precise. So that that fits. And you're more creative in your endeavors. What what's what's the Erdem specialty? I I like a Sunday roast, mm. so I'm very good mm. at. I, yeah. I hope I'm not sure if either of you are vegetarian, but I like a like a lamb shank. I okay. like a good roast potato. Um, I'm I'm into a good stodgy kind of English. Is that a very brummy brummy? What did you call it? Someone from Birmingham. <laughs> Um, I would say it's a general English thing. Okay. The, the Sunday roast is... It's what I you would, do on... on Yeah, it's like a pub yes. a pub lunch as well. It's like what yeah. you do, go, you go to the pub and you have a, a well, roast. Or it's you go to Erdem's. We go to, you go to Erdem's. Yes. And then you have a, a, a bath afterwards. <laughs> this is the dream Sunday. <laughs> Wish you all the best for the show. Oh, um, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm very flattered. I can't wait to see you in. We want New you to York? come back to yeah. uh, the Hollywood Diner, and we'll we'll see there. <laughs> exactly. Day at the Hollywood Diner. So, Erdem's fashion show is this Sunday, uh, February nineteenth, and you can see all of the looks on Vogue Runway. And again, if you would like to donate to the Turkish-Syrian earthquake relief efforts, go to theredcross.org, or as Erdem suggested, ahbap.org. Thank you for listening to the show this week. Bye. The Run-Through with Vogue is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. I'm Chloe Mal. And I'm Cho Minardi, and we'll be back next week. Bye. We've all been there before. You're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space, a toddler who will only eat buttered pasta. Name your dinner emergency. We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then, I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.